This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Monday afternoon, March 6th. Good afternoon. About a month to go until the Chicago mayoral runoff. We'll discuss that in our next segment. But right now, the coming days will include testimony from Fed Chair Jerome Powell and the government jobs report for February. There's also data on factory orders out today. We're joined by Tom Hudson, week ahead columnist for McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Tom, thanks for joining us again this afternoon. Afternoon. And uh, before we talk about uh, the Fed Chair Jay Powell's uh, testimony on Capitol Hill this week and predictions for the jobs report on Friday, let's talk just reading on factory orders because in the manufacturing sector, it sounds like the Fed interest rate hiking cycle is already having its intended effect. Yeah, it certainly does, Rob. We are seeing a slowdown with uh, manufacturers and uh, manufactured goods. Uh, really driven by a drop in aircraft orders. We talked about that, you and I, last week. We're seeing it uh, follow through this week with the factory orders numbers, the new order numbers uh, dropping. But it's also across a range of other products um, that manufacturing is trying to deal with. A lot of these you know, big POs are financed, right? You're not paying cash for these kinds of things. And when borrowing costs go up, odds are it's going to probably slim down your order if it's going to cost you more to borrow. The uh, big question for this year that everybody seems to be moving a lot a lot of money around in an attempt to answer it is, uh, will there be a recession? And if so, when will it arrive? But it seems like there are some sectors of the economy, manufacturing and housing, that already appear to be there. Uh, you know, I hate to say it this way, it depends on your definition of recession, right? If you're looking kind of month over month, possibly if you're looking year over year plaza and having to slow down to 40 or 25 you're still moving forward but you're not going nearly as fast and that's what a lot of parts of the economy are still experiencing and i expect congress both the senate and the house to ask uh, explicitly uh, chairman powell during his testimony tomorrow and wednesday when will the recession begin? Is there going to be a recession? How deep and how long if there is one? And then if you're Jay Powell, obviously, if you're going to Capitol Hill, you do have a listen to the chairman about how he talks about fiscal policy, not just monetary policy, what the Federal Reserve is doing, but what Congress is doing. Don't forget, we're only a matter of a few months away uh, before hitting our head up against the debt limit in Congress and the White House, the Republican House and the White House uh, have been kind of tap dancing around this a little bit. Uh, this could be ruinous, certainly, in the short term and even longer term in terms of investor confidence at a time when consumer confidence continues to get bruised by these high prices. And then very quickly on the employment front, we do have the uh, jobs report for February coming out on Friday morning. There is no indication we're going to see um, anything other than uh, a, a positive number, possibly in the six figures. 
When when we talk about employment slowing down, I mean, traditionally we think of layoffs. Are we now in a situation where employment slows down simply because uh, companies are just taking their openings and listings off of Indeed and not filling them? Uh, possibly. I mean, that, that's been another fascinating piece of this, because also this week we get the JOLTS report, right? The uh, job opening uh, report. And job openings were 11 million in the month of, uh, of uh, late last year. And uh, so there's there's no shortage of job openings. Tom Hudson, week ahead columnist for McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. The finalists in the race for mayor of Chicago now have the task of converting the votes of eliminated candidates to them. We welcome in Andy Shaw, former head of the Better Government Association, longtime political reporter in Chicago and WBBM political analyst. Andy, thanks for joining us this afternoon. And the, 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 the discussion that took place uh, on election night on WBBM and elsewhere is that uh, the, 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 the runoff race for mayor of Chicago is a study in contrasts. Uh, the, the Fraternal Order of Police versus the Chicago Teachers Union, a conservative Democrat or a centrist Democrat versus a progressive. But based on the TV commercials that I saw last night from both candidates, uh, they're both, uh, just based on what you see on TV, Andy, they're not nearly as far apart as you might think. Well, really, that's true. I think the big difference is that Paul Vallis is the candidate of the business community. And if you believe that the business sector of Chicago, meaning downtown primarily, North Michigan Avenue, South Michigan Avenue, and the adjacent streets need a boost in business, which we know they do, then you have to be worried about the high-tax proposals of Brandon Johnson, because he's talking about close to a billion dollars in higher. So that's the biggest difference between the two. I don't think Johnson's earlier talk about defunding the police is realistic, but he does believe that more money needs to go from policing to neighborhood development, whereas Paul Vallis thinks that you need as many or more cops as we currently have. That's a significant difference. Vallis, of course, is in favor of more school choice, charters and other venues that allow parents to have more choice. And Brandon Johnson, as a highly paid consultant to the teachers union, is opposed to those programs that take money away from the inner city public schools. There are significant differences in policy. The next four years above and beyond crime, do they have the time? Do they have the oxygen? Do they have the airspace to actually talk about education or pensions? Or because this is a sprint, this is going to be the crime election all the way to April 4th? Well, I hope we have more conversation about significant issues. But crime, of course, is the key. And that's because it hasn't just been concentrated on the south and west sides as has been historical precedent we've seen crime waves in all these previously safe areas at least in people's minds from lincoln park to old town to river north to north michigan avenue to south loop all those areas which had not experienced spates in violent crime have seen a lot of that in the last couple of years admittedly less so in recent months but still enough to frighten people. So crime will be a significant issue. But you're right. We have this terrible pension crisis looming, underfunded pension systems, very hard to put those back on track. Schools critical, CTA critical. People are afraid to ride the CTA at night. 
So there are a lot of issues beyond the hot button ones that do need serious discussion. We have five weeks. What we need to see is some debates and or forums in which the candidates have to address the issues beyond the scare tactics that you see in the TV ads with Johnson characterizing Vallis as some kind of racist right winger and Vallis characterizing Johnson as a socialist who wants to tax business and people out of the city. We need a more intelligent debate than that. And let's hope we have one in the next four weeks. Andy Shaw, former head of the BGA and WBBM political analyst. Thank you for joining us as always. Coming up next, the deadline to file your 2022 tax returns is just around the corner. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WB. BBM Noon Business Hour. If you've been dragging your feet on organizing your taxes for the past year, you need to get moving now. Let's get some help from Jeff Harlow, spokesman, Illinois CPA Society based in Chicago. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. And let's talk about some things the, for lack of a better word, the average taxpayer has to consider as they're uh, getting all of their documentation together to uh, fill out their income taxes for last year. Talking about someone, maybe, you know, one or two income family, they have a mortgage, they have a couple of kids in college. You know, what are some things you need to keep top of mind as you're uh, starting to fill out those forms? Well, I think the first thing, Rob, is, is to have an idea of where you're at. Um, depending on how big the mortgage is, somebody may or may not be able to itemize. Uh, you know, that's dependent on the amount of the mortgage, the amount of their state and local taxes, the amount of their charitable contributions. You know, quite honestly, if it's clear you're not going to be able to itemize, then why spend the time trying to track down things like charitable contributions and whatnot? But for somebody like that, what they want to be paying attention to if they have kids in college are the education credits. You know, they may be able to claim a uh, credit, in some cases refundable, for a portion of the college uh, tuition. And if they have kids still at home for which they're paying daycare expenses, you know, that's the kind of thing you want to look at taking the child credit or the dependent care credit. And then on when it comes to, uh, let's say you got a raise in the last year just to keep up with inflation, and then you find out that maybe you're in a higher tax bracket, uh, what do you do then? Also, how have the tax brackets changed to reflect inflation? Well, the tax brackets are indexed every year to take inflation into account. You know, with last year's inflation being higher, the, the change, I think, was bigger for 2022. Uh, as far as the tax bracket goes, let, let's you know clear up one uh, misunderstanding that many people have out there, and that is they think that if they earn a little bit more, that all of their income is going to be taxed at a higher bracket. And of course, that's not the case. The higher bracket, the higher tax rate would only apply to incremental income above a certain threshold. So you're never going to pay more tax on all your income just because you got a little bit of a raise, uh, but you hope that your withholding is adequate. You want to take a look at your withholding to make sure that you're not going to be smacked upside the head when it comes to filing your tax return. Yeah, that is a, a rude awakening that a lot of people uh, discover is that uh, after the 2017 tax law was passed, it changed the withholding so that you got a heftier paycheck every two weeks, but uh, Uncle Sam came around at tax time to get the rest of it. So if you do have to change your withholding, uh, very quickly, the, the W-4 has changed too. So if, if you haven't seen one in a while, there is some new math you have to do. Well, there's no question about it. I, I think that uh, if somebody was comfortable with the old W-4, 
the new form uh, just totally throws them for the loop. I, I know it took me a while to get used to it. Uh, however, the instructions are pretty clear. Uh, if you sit down and read them several times, uh, the more important thing is I think the new W-4 does a much, much better job of taking into account what's needed when you have one more than one earner in the family. Jeff Harlow, spokesman for the Illinois CPA Society. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A suspect is being questioned following a home invasion and triple murder in the southwest suburbs. The Norfolk Southern Railroad discusses safety improvements in the wake of recent derailments. Prices of electric vehicles are coming down. It's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a pair of ideas from an investing pro. WBBM business. The markets are higher. The Dow is up 54 points. The NASDAQ is up 50. And the S&P 500 is up up 14. 47 degrees right now in Chicago with light rain going up to 56 inland, 50 along the lakefront. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, residents of a subdivision in Bolingbrook are reeling today following a shooting in a home in the 100 block of Lee Lane last night that left three people dead. Anthony Taylor lives in a cul-de-sac near the scene. He and his wife have lived in their house for 24 years. It used to be a peaceful neighborhood. It still is for them. It is. It's it a is good for the most part. It's just had, we just had this tragedy. That's all, and it hurts. Police are questioning a suspect. A man, woman, and a girl were killed. Another woman is in the hospital. Her condition has not been released. Norfolk Southern is out with some new safety plans following its second freight train derailment in Ohio over the past month. The latest from CBS News correspondent Cammie McCormick. Among the measures, new sensors to check temperatures along tracks and more acoustic sensors, which would pick up vibrations and detect problems. There was another Norfolk Southern train derailment over the weekend in Ohio, 28 of more than 200 train cars derailed. And unlike last month's incident, there were no hazardous materials spilled in this past weekend's derailment. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are higher to start the week. We're joined by Chris Johnson, market strategist with the Johnson Research Group in Cincinnati. Chris, thanks for joining us today. And it sounds like uh, tech is leading the way on this Monday. Boy, it sure is, Rob. If you look at the NASDAQ 100, which is that gauge that everybody kind of senses as technology, as the big names are Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, Google, that's up about, uh, let's call it two-thirds of a percent right now, while the rest of the market, including small caps, is kind of struggling to hold on to the gains. So a lot of uh, people kind of focusing on those large cap names today. Of course, Apple got an upgrade from Goldman Sachs this morning, which has really started the week off on a good foot for them. And is this just simply the halo effect from Apple? But it looks like Alphabet, Meta, and Netflix also uh, uh, along for the ride. Is this just basically everyone jumping on the technology sector, at least today? 
Yeah, everybody's in the pool today, Rob. Uh, look at Microsoft and a number of these names trading up to their 20-day moving average for the technicians out there. We have seen, from a technical perspective, kind of this market getting throttled by the short and long-term uh, moving averages, the 50, the 200-day moving averages. So the volatility has been contained for the last week or two by those technicals. Something's going to break here over the next week or so is my feeling, and it's going to give you a little more of a momentum move for stocks. And it seems like there are two very obvious uh, market movers this week, but are they really? I mean, Fed Chair Jerome Powell uh, is going to testify before Congress later this week. Uh, you can probably write what he's going to say right now because his message has been very consistent. And then yep. we're going to have a jobs report on Friday that unless it comes in under six figures, that's not going to be much of a surprise. Yeah, the market has kind of got itself into this Fed dependency mode over the last couple of months. And it comes down to looking and seeing whether we're going to see that 25 basis points uh, at the next meeting. I'm going to go out on a limb here, Rob, and guarantee we see 25 basis points. <laughs> Fed fund futures are telling you that. If we don't see that, it's something larger. But to your point, we're kind of caught up in this very small focus, micro focus of every word that comes out of the Fed. Look at what Bostic said last week on Thursday. I mentioned technicals early. The S&P 500 was sitting on its 200-day moving average when he kind of gave the market this idea that, yeah, the Fed's going to be done by late summer. Um, didn't say anything about a pivot. That is nothing new. We've heard that message. But just the fact that it gets said out loud yet again reiterates that hope trade for a lot of investors out there. Uh, you know, a lot of this is already priced in, and I, as I said, I, if, unless you get a big surprise one way or the other, you're going to mar look at a market that is going to start to wrestle with the forward-looking fundamentals. And by that, I mean all these companies that have been telling us that the next quarter or two during their earnings report in the last quarter, next couple quarters are going to be tough swimming. Well, Chris Johnson, uh, in honor of today being the uh, 25th anniversary of the release of the classic movie, The Big Lebowski, I have to use a line from that film, and that's the dude saying, that's just like your opinion, man. And that always pops into my head whenever one of the Fed governors talks about the trajectory of interest rates, and then the markets go flying off in one direction to the other. This is one person's opinion. This is not policy, and yet it moves markets. Correct. And, and to make it even better, he's not even a voting member of the Fed. I think he's vying for uh, Brainerd's old position here, but he doesn't even vote. So I think you just nailed it with the, the big Lubowski. And congrats, Rob, on bringing, you know, interjecting the big Lubowski into market talk. I love it. Well, if uh, Jay Powell says the dude abides on uh, Capitol Hill, uh, I'd like to see where the markets go after that. Chris Johnson, market strategist with the Johnson Research Group in Cincinnati. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, next uh, Tesla cuts prices while electric pickup maker Lordstown Motors updates its cash situation. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. There are updates today on two electric vehicle makers, Tesla and Lordstown Motors. Let's get the latest from Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive reporter. Jeff, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, Tesla, basically, uh, once again, uh, Elon Musk is standing out in front of the uh, auto lot and saying uh, these babies are priced to move. 
Yeah, and I think what he is doing with this is trying to increase volume at this time as he ramps up production at a number of Tesla's plants. So, you know, that the early years of production is where the real cost is. Now they've had several years of production, and he can afford to cut prices because he knows a lot of other competitive products are coming this year, so he's got to stake out his place in the marketplace. And we're talking about uh, some particular models that were in the six-figure range, and we're seeing uh, price cuts from uh, $26,000 to $29,000. Yeah, it's pretty interesting how they do this. Now, the last time they cut prices was to try to get more vehicles eligible for tax credits. Some of these vehicles are more expensive and they won't be eligible for tax credits because they just cost too much. And this is just another reflection of the EV space getting more crowded and much more competitive. Uh, Tesla no longer the only game in town. Right. Not only the, oh, no longer the only game in town, but some of these startups some of their competitors are, are getting some rave reviews. Rivian, which has its pickup truck, uh, J.D. Power just rated that the top electric vehicle of all. So that kind of puts a little pressure on Tesla and the mass market brands. Chevy has three EVs coming out this year. So, And Ford just announced they were ramping up production of their EVs. And of course, Rivian uh, based in Bloomington, Illinois. Let's uh, go east a little bit to Eastern Ohio, just outside of Youngstown, Lordstown. Uh, the former GM plant uh, has been retooled and pivoting to uh, making electric vehicles. And uh, they, they seem to be having the same problem that a lot of these EV startups have, Tesla included, is how do you make these things at scale? But it says it's still sitting on top of over $200 million. Yeah, and, and, and Lordstown has some issues with suppliers, and Lordstown had to totally redo their whole plan. Originally, they were going to be their own independent company. Now they have Foxconn, the company that makes the iPhone, building these vehicles for them. They sold the plant to Foxconn. So it, it, it's a kind of pain that all startups feel. They, they don't have the supply chains that other car makers have. And I, was, I actually drove past that plant uh, last summer on the way home from a family vacation. And the one thing that really jumped out at me was not only is it uh, an electric vehicle plant, but it also looks like it's a battery manufacturing facility. Yeah, GM is actually building or has built a second battery manufacturing plant in that area after they closed and sold off their assembly plant. They built a second plant, and that is GM's actual first of four battery plants in the U.S. It's the first one that's actually up and running. And then back to Tesla for a second. I mean, just because they're still the leader in this particular space, uh, by cutting prices, especially on their premium models, how does the rest of the industry react? Does this put pressure on the Rivians of the world, on the GMs of the world, uh, to change their own pricing structure? Not now, but it will down the road. At this particular point, there are so many orders for these EVs, and the EVs are being made in small numbers. Uh, car makers don't really have to respond that much. Ford did drop the price of the Mustang Mach-E. Tesla was only a part of it there. They were trying to, to deal with the competitive landscape. So you're not going to see real price wars for another year because there are still a lot of unfilled orders. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive reporter. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Join us. 
price at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come our Monday stock picker. Markets are higher. The Dow up 37 points. The Nasdaq up 28. The S&P 500 up 8. It's 12.50. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday and lending his expertise this afternoon is Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management based in Glenview. The website, SenecalCapital.com. Bill, thanks for joining us today. And uh, your first stock of the week is from a space that's seen a great deal of volatility over the past year. Boy, has it ever. So my first pick is the United States 12-month natural gas fund. It is an exchange-traded fund that you know, pre-COVID was trading, you know, natural gas was trading around $2 per million metric uh, BTUs. It rallied from two to 10 during, you know, the peak Russia-Ukraine conflict, you know, conversation in the news. And since the highs in 2022, natural gas has dropped 80% from high to low, from $10 to $2 again, just recently. Now, today is trading around $2.59 per million metric BTUs. So in full disclosure, uh, Rob, we allocated about a three and a half percent position to our clients last week in the symbol UNL, Union November Lima, UNL. Now, that's different than the UNG, which everybody likes to talk about, but very few people talk about UNL, which is more of an equal weighted uh, exposure to natural gas across all the contracts, the 12 months uh, that are, are available. So it's a little bit more equal weighted rather than just the front month contract that gets rolled negatively virtually every single month. So that's our first pick. It's not for the faint of heart. Natural gas is all over the place, but it went from two to 10 to two. And we think this is a, a contrarian play for our clients in the energy space. And on the uh, ETF front, uh, that is your uh, next selection uh, this week. And for that, we go uh, south of the border, as it were. Yes, we do. So uh, I believe that interest rates have pretty much peaked. You know, we kind of met the targets that the Federal Reserve has talked about for a while. And the U.S. dollar actually has fallen substantially since, you know, we saw like the four and a half percent tenure. And so this is a play on a continued decline in the U.S. dollar. The truth is Latin America seems to be showing strength. This particular ETF, which is the Latin America ETF by iShares, that symbol is um, ILF, India, Lima, Foxtrot. That's pretty much trading in the middle of its, you know, 11-year trading band. The high is 43, low is 14 and a half. It's trading at about 24.3. But I love the 12 and a quarter percent annual dividend stream. So if we're looking for exposure that um, could potentially see some upside because of a falling dollar, we're getting paid a delicious, handsome, attractive dividend while we're waiting for things to kind of pan out here uh, with, with the U.S. dollar. And very quickly, especially when it comes to exchange rates, uh, as as a patriotic American, uh, you may want to start waving the flag when you talk about the uh, strength of the U.S. dollar compared to uh, other currencies and the uh, historic strength of the dollar. But when it comes to worldwide trade, that may not necessarily be the best thing in the world. Exactly. And Rob, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not a, I'm not ra- I'm not railing a flag to see lower U.S. dollar. I'm just saying we saw a huge spike in the dollar to 20 year highs, I'd say, in the last two, two and a half years. And so now we have at the end of a we're end of a, at the end of a tightening cycle. And if the famous adage is like, don't fight the Fed, we're kind of at the tail end of the interest rate increase. So we're probably going to see softer rates going forward lower U.S. dollar, and this is favorable for uh, emerging markets, which we were very positive and talked about with you the last time we were 
uh, blessed to be with you on the show. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad uh, being on the show is a blessing, and it's uh, it's always it's nice to have you here too. Bill Ulivery, owner of Cynical Capital Management in Glenview. Thanks for having us today. I ha- thanks for you being here today. The website cynicalcapital.com and his uh, selections uh, are the uh, natural gas ETF UNL and the iShares S and P Latin America 40 ETF ILF. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 